right, well, good morning. That's what I was expecting. <laughs> it's been a good weekend, huh? You guys are exhausted, I can tell. Hey, if you have your Bibles, uh, let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. chapter 4, we're going to start again at verse 17, where we started on Friday night. We're going to go from there all the way through the rest of the passage. And I just want to um, give props to Jesus, um, just because last night was rad. Um, that just never gets old, friends. Um, I even walked to the back afterwards. I usually sit in the back while y'all are working through stuff. I just like to watch what God's doing and... Um, I don't, I don't usually get real hyper-emotional. I mean, I have emotions, and I, I tear up, I cry. I'm a, I'm a man. But, um, like, I just, I wept for, like, 10 seconds in the back. And I, I, I don't know that I've ever had that experience after, like, sharing the gospel and seeing people come to Christ. I've, I've been excited, but to just kind of, I just sat there, and I just opened my hands, and I just was like, God, I can't believe, like, you let me be part of this. Like, it's just so humbling to think that you, like, let me preach your Bible, to teach your word, and that you do something that's so miraculous out of a feeble attempt. Um, and so I just want to congratulate those of you who, you heard the call of Jesus, he called, I mean, the Father drew you to Christ, and the Holy Spirit convicted you of sin, and you surrendered to the Lord, and, and I just want to encourage you, just keep on. And what I want to make sure you understand is that our recommitment, and those who repented, gosh, I'm so thankful for your honesty uh, that you said. I know it's humbling, um, and those who just confess brokenness, same thing. It's humbling, right? But then there's just something, it's like maybe there was a weight lifted finally, because you just kind of finally got it out there and to deal with. And, but I want to encourage you guys, you don't recommit twice a year at camp. You do it every day. Every, every morning, wake up. And recommit your life to Christ. I don't know if you know that I'm really into fashion. <laughs> Not even close. I could care less, as you could tell. Uh, so, but I only got like three things of bling. Like I've got a watch and, and I got these two rings. And, and when I put them on, there's a meaning behind all of them. The watch, I want to know what time it is. But when I put it on, it's not just the time. It's like, it's like me telling God, God, my, my day belongs to you. Interrupt my schedule to accomplish your will. And then my wedding rings, because I'm married to a hot woman who loves Jesus, and that's just awesome. And so, and he was even talking to her this morning, and no joke, guys, does anybody here else, anyone else here besides myself struggle through insecurity? Anybody? Put your hands up. Okay, and then you're wondering, like you're insecure about, if, did I do it right? Did I raise my hand okay? Was it too high, too low? Was my, were my pits wet? It's like you start freaking out about it. And every time I preach, or at least when I leave for a camp, um, I usually text her or call her and say, I, I can do this, right? And every time, she's just so encouraging, just so encouraging, you got this, you got this. And, and so every time I put my wedding ring back on, it's like, it's my recommitment to the vows that I made to her. And, and then this one's about my relationship with Jesus. And every day, it's this reminder. I put it on, I go, okay, Jesus, I'm committed to you. I want this whole, like my whole life is for you. And so I just want, I want you to know you are the, you are the source, of, like you're my life. Guys, I want you to do that every day. Just recommit to him. 
And I want you to confess sin all day. You have a thought that's not, it's not pleasing to God, you just tell God. Don't hide from him, just tell him, because he already knows. So just tell him, and then repent from it. And, but it's all day, every day, you're just working through the process of what's called sanctification as the Holy Spirit is changing you more and more into the likeness of Jesus. But don't ever lose the awe of the gospel. And don't ever lose the awe of the cross. I remember years ago, I was here, um, and like I said, I usually make it to the back, but I came off the stage after uh, students made decisions for Jesus, and, and I got to about here, and a young 15-year-old guy comes walking up, and he's crying, and he's like, Brian, can I talk to you real quick? I said, sure. And so I sat down real quick here on the stage, and he's like, he couldn't get it out. He barely could get it out. He's like, I just, I don't feel, I don't feel worthy. And I looked at him, and I'm like, Oh, how do I say this? I said, dude, you're not. And he goes, okay, thanks. And he walks away. He's like, no, no, I'm not done. Come here, come here. It's like I burst his bubble. Like his mom is always telling him, you're worthy. You're worth, you're worthy. And, and then I come, next, you're not. And so I said, come, no, come, come here. I said, let me finish. We're not worthy. I put we. We're not worthy. The cross is God's declaration that you're worth it. Like, understand the difference. Like, we're not worthy of what Jesus did. I'm not worthy. There's nothing that I could present before God that says I'm worthy for you to do this. But the cross is God's declaration, him screaming, you're worth it. Guys, hold on to that. Don't lose that. Don't lose the awe of the cross, the awe of the gospel. Never let John 3.16 just be a Bible verse. Man, let it grab you and grip you and change you. Fall more and more in love with Jesus. Guys, let's pray. We'll get going. Father, we thank you for your gift of salvation, that you loved the world so much that you gave your son. Jesus, we thank you that you willingly laid down your life and took it up again. No one took it from you. You weren't forced into it. You did it because you wanted us. And Holy Spirit, we thank you that for those of us who follow you, have followed, followed Jesus, we call ourselves followers of Jesus, and we've surrendered to his lordship, we thank you that you indwell us we thank you that you're there to help us. And I pray now that you would give us insight, that you would keep us teachable and humble to receive your truth and the grace necessary that we could obey simply because we love you and you're worth it. So God, I pray that you take this feeble attempt at making much of Jesus and do an incredible work. We pray this in Jesus' name and everyone who agrees says, amen. All right, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, this is where we started. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus. 
Guys, that phrase, I was reading this again this morning, and it didn't stand out to me the last time I was, pre- I was prepping this message for uh, another camp. As the truth is in Jesus, and guys, I know we have a culture that keeps saying, and I've mentioned this, there's no truth. There's no such thing as truth. And I'm like, remember when a person says there's no such thing as truth, they actually believe it because they made an absolute truth statement. But friends, there is, there's no freedom or liberty when we keep living in this idea that there's no truth. Truth gives us guardrails. It protects us, that we can actually experience life. It says that it's in, as in, it's in Jesus, the truth, as the truth is in Jesus. And when I read that, this was just for my quiet time. I was like, God, I want you to make this something that's passionate to me. I want to I I own this. I want to get this. And when I read that statement, I was like, God, I want everything that I find to be true. I want to find truth, not my truth. I want to find truth. I want to know your truth, but I want it to only be based upon you. Man, I want to dig into your room. I want to dive in, not so I can say I read the Bible. Guys, this isn't a checkbox relationship. You don't sit there and go, well, I prayed. Check. I read the Bible. Check. At least that's out of the way. I don't have to do that again today because I only have to do it once. Isn't that a horrible? Can you imagine if I treated my wife like that? Like my marriage is based on, okay, we got to get through. Every morning we're supposed to talk to each other. Okay, so you go, I'll listen. You go, 10 minutes, go. And then once 10 minutes, boom, done. Whew, got through that. My turn, listen, don't say a word, boom, talk. Boom, done, oh, thank goodness, that's over. Okay, see you tomorrow. You would look and say, oh, your wife is a lucky lady. No, you wouldn't. You'd say, what, man, you're a psycho. But isn't it weird we kind of do that with God? Did you know that you could actually spend time with God more than once a day? (gasps) Like you could open the word more than once a day. You could pray all day about anything and everything. Guys, you can you can talk to God about the things that are freaking you out. You can also talk to the God to God about the things that you're just so stoked about. Guys, I'm convinced we're supposed to pray to him and play with him. Guys, it's this relationship that's all day, every day, enjoying him. That's why he came. Not just so that we could read a big fat book once a day, pray some prayers, hit up a youth group, hit a service on a Sunday morning, and then the rest of our life, now we're just waiting. We're waiting for heaven. Guys, the greatest thing about Jesus is Jesus. The greatest thing about a relationship with Jesus is a relationship with Jesus where he is our life. As the truth is in Jesus... It goes on, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. In other words, what happened last night for a bunch of you, what follows that is now called following Jesus. Discipleship starts when a person comes to Christ and discipleship lasts the rest of our lives. And now we make the decision. Because man, when, it's up, when you're up here, you ever notice? Like all of a sudden, I mean, maybe for some you're like, nah, I'm still tuned out the whole time. Okay, I'm still gonna pray for you to come to Jesus. But for some of you, it's like, man, I've just felt like there's just been this closeness with God. Like I just feel like even worship, we're passing. Guys, I was watching last night during worship on the side. And I know it sounds like weird, like I'm a peeping Tom. I'm not. I just really enjoy watching you guys get into worship. Like you really get it. 
But Friday night, it's kind of quiet. People not sure what to do. And then by Saturday night or Sunday night, then people are just going for it. And we get to that, that part where, oh, he won't fail, right? He won't. He won't. All of a sudden, so you hear someone go, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, we're getting it. And you sit and go, oh, but that's just the mountaintop experience. Or is it the mountaintop experience because we've separated ourselves from everything else and focused in on Jesus for the past three and a half days? And it shouldn't stay up here because God doesn't just live here. It's not like when we go down the mountain, he's like, I'm sure going to miss him. I'm sure going to, and he just goes and skates on the lake. I guess I'll see him in the summer and it's going to be so fun. I can't wait to see him. Guys, it's not take him home with you. It's go with him. It's when you get back. Make sure that this continues. In other words, you have to make decisions. I'll spend less time on a screen and I'll spend more time with a savior. Like I'll intentionally get up early so that I can spend time with the Lord. If you're more of a night person, you'll intentionally spend time with the Lord. And you'll pray, but you wanna read the Bible so you can hear him. And then you wanna be taught by him. And then you wanna do it. You wanna do what the word says. Guys, we've been changed, but are we any different? Guys, I feel like a lot of times we try to, we try to blend who we already are with being a Christian and it looks nothing like Jesus. Now you think about it, Jesus is the one who says, love your enemies. You're like, I ain't doing that. We can say, Brian, if you knew my enemies, like, as if I don't have it. We all have enemies. But it's like, well, I'm not going to do that. But Jesus says, this is what I want you to do. If you're going to be my follower, you need to love your enemies. He's like, well, what does that mean? Because I can't feel love for my enemies. Guys, think about it. If in the scriptures, husbands are told to love their wives, the word there is agape. Agape your wives, like Christ agape the church. And then it's the same Greek word when Jesus says, I want you to agape your enemies. It can't be emotionally based. It's obedience. It's like, no matter who that person is, I want to love them. I want the best for them. Man, I'm going to do whatever it takes to make sure that they have what they need. It's like, well, who can do that? Jesus. And we're called to be different. We're called to live different. We're called to look different. So much so that the world should look at Christians and go, you all believe some jacked up weird stuff, but dang, you love well. We're supposed to be different. Completely different. Changed. Transformed. Not just a little bit nicer. Not just a little bit more moral. And not just people who give up some time on Sunday mornings when we'd rather be at home. Guys, it's supposed to be completely different. And this isn't a slam. It's like, okay, so I need to work harder. No, you need to get to know God more. You need to know and love him more and rely upon him more and let him speak into you and trust that by his grace, he's going to change you. And then you live in obedience. And then all of a sudden, it's like, well, this feels so weird. But the more you do it, the more it becomes who you are. Friends, don't just go back to the same old thing and go through the same old motions. You got to deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow him. So let me go into this part in verse 25. He says, therefore, having put away falsehood, 
Let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. And then this is a weird one. Be angry. People are like, yes, this is my verse. This is my life verse. I knew it was biblical. But you got to read it. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. He's like, well, how can you do that? Guys, do you know that there are things that anger God? And it should anger us. Friends, I hate, I hate the fact that kids around the world are sold into sex trafficking. I hate that. And I know that God hates that. He abhors that. I hate when people are, are taken advantage of or they're oppressed. I hate that. God hates that. And then it's so easy. And guys, we're, we're kind of like this. Think about it. We need someone to blame. And so the thing that we hate, if that person's doing it, we hate them. But we got to go back to Jesus. While he's being attached to a cross, he's begging for God to forgive his executioners. While it's happening, it's like, well, nobody can do that. Guys, if you've ever read the Bible, you remember Stephen in Acts, I think it's Acts chapter 8, chapter 7, chapter 8, chapter 7, chapter 8. Guys, they're stoning him to death because he's preached, I mean, he was really bold. He even looks and says, okay, you, Sanhedrin, the religious leaders, the same guys who just made sure that you murdered the Messiah, I don't know, maybe a month ago, a couple months ago, you guys killed the author of life. I mean, he's just going off. He says they gnash their teeth at him. It's like, that's just weird. Groaning. So that's what they do. And they drag him out of the city. And then they pick up stones. They pick up rocks. And they just start pelting him. And while it's happening, he says, he looked up into heaven. And he says, I see the Son of Man. I see him standing at the right hand of God. Guys, whenever I read that passage, I love it. You know why? Because so often in the scriptures, you see Jesus. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. But Stephen sees him standing. You ever wonder why? Here's my, this is my conviction. It doesn't say it. This is what I believe. Is it possible that Jesus was standing in that moment in ovation to the first person who would die because he loved Jesus? Is it possible that he stood up from his throne in standing ovation for one of his followers who was willing to give it all up simply because he loved Jesus? And then Stephen, as he's dying, he actually prays, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Friends, there's no way that he could do that without, without the help of the Holy Spirit. That is the only way that it happens. So friends, as much as we should hate sex trafficking, we pray for those who are the victims of it and we pray for those who are the sex traffickers, that they would come to know Jesus. Why? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You're like, Brian, that's letting people off the hook. It's welcome to grace, friends. But that's not fair. Fair ended in the garden. In Genesis chapter 3, fair ended in the garden. Guys, why should I get the grace of God? And plus, 
If a person who's guilty of sex trafficking comes to Christ, is it not more likely that they'll release those that they say that they own? We pray, we pray, we pray, because that's what we're supposed to, that's Jesus' example. And so he said, be angry. There's things that will anger you, but don't sit in your anger. If you're just irritable all the time, like people look at you and say, you're just so angry all the time. This isn't like the verse that goes, I know, it's a spiritual gift. The Lord has called me and I am the, I am the wrathful one. And you will experience my vengeance. That's not what that verse is. It's not like I'm irritable so I can just say whatever I want. Some people say, well, this is, it's my right. I can say whatever I want. Yeah, but the Bible calls you foolish. The fool just says whatever they want. But Jesus comes along and says, blessed are the peacemakers. Guys, think about it. We have a culture that does this all the time. We just do it behind a screen. Face-to-face conversations, yeah, some get pretty bold. But behind a computer screen? Behind a, behind a phone screen? Oh, <laughs> you throw up a comment, throw up a post, and then you see one, it's like, oh, reads, oh, these are good, 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 boom, what? Oh, game on, here we go. And then just all this verbal vomit just flying out. You hit sand, boom, I win. And then it just continues over and over and over and over, and some say they do it in the name of Jesus, all the while making Jesus look horrible. Guys, we're supposed to be different. He goes on, verse 26 again, be angry, do not sin, do not let the sun go down on your anger. Give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. You notice what Paul connects working to? Not just to collect stuff. He's like, man, you should work. Stop stealing. Get a job. Do your own work. Why? So that you could be generous to other people. Wow. Not just so that I can have the newest and brightest and best. He goes on. Let no, verse 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Oh, for those of you who are followers of Jesus, can I just encourage you for just a second? You will make it. You will make it. When you gave your life to Christ, he gave himself fully to you. He who began the good work in you will carry it to completion. When you surrendered to the Lord... You're sealed by the Holy Spirit. For the day of redemption, you will make it. You're saved. You're rescued. Not moment by moment, but saved. You're forgiven. Guys, for those of you who are followers of Jesus, you've surrendered to Jesus. You are forgiven for things you haven't even done yet. Because you're in Christ. And as much love as the Father has for Christ is the same love that he has for us. Because we're in him. And he doesn't kick us out. You belong to him. And he does not let go. You've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. Verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Along with all malice. Oh, man. Be honest. Who here likes gossip? Come on. 
Okay, let me change this. Who likes gossip when it's not about you? There it is. People are like, no, don't raise your hand. Sometimes in the church, like, no, Christians don't like it. Yes, we do. We just call them prayer requests. <laughs> like they, guys, can you pray for my friend? Here's a picture. Here's a list of all their sins. This is their address, social security number. We should really pray for them. This is, this is what they're doing right now. Like, we need to make sure we share all the details because God's in heaven going, there's a lot of people. I don't know what you're talking about. God, you know the one that's doing this looks like this? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they are horrible. I know. Guys, you ever notice when you hear this phrase, hey, did you hear about it? You're like, hmm? Usually, usually gossip's connected to slander. And here comes Paul saying, let all bitterness, all wrath, all anger, all clamor, all slander be put away from you, along with all malice. And what should you do instead? See, the Bible's not just saying don't do certain things. It's also we should do certain things. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Guys, has anyone here ever had someone, well, this is kind of a stupid question. Maybe, I'm not going to ask the question. You know, you've had that person that just hurts you like crazy, words, or even maybe, maybe some of you guys have experienced some physical things that's just horrific. And here comes the Bible saying, you need to forgive. And again, for some of you sitting there go, Brian, but you don't know what they did. I know. But does it, but does it change the commandment? But do we also understand the gift that forgiveness is for us? Think about that. Think about this. For those of you that are unwilling to forgive someone, no matter what it is they've done, you're unwilling to forgive. That means you are still what? You are still being, being impacted by them. Even if they're nowhere around, they don't speak to you, they're not doing anything, like physically do you, but they're still impacting you because there's no release. It's like they still have this, this tyranny over your soul. Is it possible that forgiveness is God's greatest gift for you? It's not like when I forgive someone and they don't even notice, God, I forgive them. That they're like, wherever they are, they just go, oh my gosh, I felt it. I've been forgiven. It feels wonderful. I don't think that happens. But is it possible that God's like, I don't want you to be bound in the chains of bitterness. I don't want you to become more bitter and bitter and bitter all throughout your life so that at the end you're not experiencing joy and peace. Is it possible God's sitting there going, I need you, and I know that maybe you're sitting there going, I can't. I, Brian, I can't forgive. Then this is what you say. God, I know you've called me to forgive, but I can't. So will you help me forgive them? And you pray that every day. And then you begin to pray for them. Notice I said for them, not against them. It's not like you take the parts out of the Psalms. God, I pray. I'll pray. I pray that you take their heads and bash it against the rocks. Like, that's biblical. No, guys, what if you start praying? But why should I? Just as in Christ, God forgave us. Why should I forgive others? No matter what? 
Because I've been forgiven a great deal. And if I've been forgiven a great deal, and I want to call myself a follower of Jesus, and I want to live as Jesus does, or Jesus did, and the way that he's called me to and invited me to, then I'll forgive him or her because I've been forgiven a great deal. It all comes back to the gospel. Friend, this is way too much. Like, we can't do this. I know. Let me encourage you with this. In John chapter 14, starting in verse 15, Jesus says this, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I'll ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Guys, you know why you need another helper? You know why I need another helper? Because I can't do it by myself. I don't, know if, I, I don't know if this phrase is ever used anymore. When people say, oh, Christianity, it's like a crutch. It's just a crutch. That, you ever heard that? I guess, like back in the day, it's like, oh, you're just using it because you can't do it on your own. Guys, it's not a crutch. Christ is not a crutch. He's like a cot. It's like a hospital. Just lay down. Boom, I can't do any of this by myself. And it's so free to know that God does not expect me to do it by myself. He doesn't expect you to go out, just live for Christ. In fact, I kind of have this conviction, and this is, hold, let me finish. Don't just like jump and go, heretic, hold on. Guys, I think we need to stop living for Christ. You're like, ah. No, no, listen. Let's start living with Christ and by Christ, and we will live for Christ. But I don't say, hey, Jesus, you're, you're tired. You've got to be tired. You just stay, just stay there and watch, and watch what I do for you. No, the invitation is to go with him. But once he ascended, he goes, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to give you another helper. Friends, until you can admit that you need help, you'll never experience the help of the Holy Spirit. You'll never, the fullness of the help of the Holy Spirit. Let me word it that way. You'll never experience the fullness of the help of the Holy Spirit until you can actually look at God and go, help. Friends, has anyone here ever prayed for patience and regretted it? You ever notice that? It's like you pray for God to pray to give me patience. Guys, it's a terrifying thing to pray for. Because God's like, yes. He, pull, he pulls all the angels together. They just prayed for patience. And they're like, ah, oh, they, pop, they pop popcorn. They're sitting going, this is going to be great. Watch what happens next. You ever notice when you pray for patience, that person comes around the corner? You know that person who just weighs down on your patience? Says, God, give me patience. Not right now. And not that way. I just meant make it, ah, oh, I feel patient. Guys, the byproduct of knowing the Holy Spirit, having the Holy Spirit in us is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Friends, at some point we're sitting there going, I just don't have love for this person, God. I don't, I don't want to love them. Instead of sitting there and just feeling horribly guilty like you're being condemned by God, this is what you do. Holy Spirit, I don't, I don't want to love them, so would you help me? Would you fill me with your love that I could love them? Would you help me? God, I don't have peace right now. I'm freaking out. Could you give me your peace that surpasses all understanding? Could you help me? Guys, I don't know about you, but when all of a sudden I get to that point, I go, I'm going to be asking him all day for things. And at no point does he go, again? Guys, he enjoys it. He wants to help. Verse 17. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. 
Okay, that part freaks me out. If you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God, God Almighty, third person of the Trinity, resides in you. Like, what? He's just all squished down in there? I don't know how it works, but he's in me. He's in you. But here's a question. If he decided to leave for a day, would we even notice? I remember that was, that was a question thrown at me one, one time. I was sitting in a chapel service somewhere. I don't know what it was. And the person asked, if the Holy Spirit left you for a day, would you even notice? Like, are we really paying attention to him? Do we re- are we really speaking to him and wanting to hear from him? And wanting to recognize his voice. You ever have these thoughts come in your head and you're like, God, is that you? Was that you or was that me? Was that the devil? And you ever have that thought come in your head, it's like, hey, you should go tell him about Jesus. Or you should go pray with him. You're like, I will not get behind me, Satan. As if the devil would ever tell you to go tell someone about Jesus. It's like, I won't fall for your schemes. So how can you recognize the voice of God, the voice of the Holy Spirit, his leading, his prompting? The same way, okay, um, before, back in my day, back in the day, uh, when I was like, oh, probably like eight, nine, eight, eight and older, and I have a brother who's three and a half years older than I am, and every time my mom would go to the grocery store, if my dad was home, um, he would say, hey, go take care of your mom. And we're like, yeah, we're protectors, we're bodyguards. So we just go to the grocery store. No cell phones, no pagers, nothing. You just go. And so by that time, we walk in, or we're looking around, taking care of mom, helping her with a couple things, and then we just bolt. Because then we go to the toy aisle. We're taking trucks and running them down the, <laughs> right down the aisle. He's throwing it back. And, but then all of a sudden, toward the end, mom just calls our name. She doesn't yell it. She just calls it out, Brian. And it's like, who? Oh. And you go. How could I recognize her voice? Because I've known her my whole life. Because I've spoken to her. I've listened to her. Friends, I believe the Holy Spirit still speaks to us. Never contradicts his word. He never tells you something that goes against this. But friends, I really do believe the Holy Spirit still speaks. I'm just wondering, are we listening? We have a helper that's with us. And if Jesus spoke while he was on the planet, why would the Holy Spirit stay mute? But I don't take experience and make it more, I don't take experience and make it more of a priority than the word of God. This is the filter that every thought goes through. And so I, I said to somebody, remember I speak, I speak, I've spoken here a lot and I use a lot of the same stories um, and someone came up and said, I remember that story and so I'm going to share that one. I remember years ago I was sitting at lunch with a buddy of mine at a Rubio's and he, uh, we're just talking about Jesus. And this is the guy that just got me so focused. Just love Jesus, love Jesus. And we're just talking about life. And man, it's just we're having our own little spiritual experience. And then all of a sudden, I was facing the door. And I see this young lady. She passes by. I'm married, happily married. She passes by. But this thought comes to my mind. Goes, tell her that she's loved. And in my head, I went, nope. Nope. I'm married. I'm good. That sounds like the cheesiest pickup line. How you doing? It's like, it's like what? I'm like, no, like pick some single guy. Like I'm having this fight in my head. My buddy's still talking about Jesus and in my head I'm like, oh, I'm having this argument. This thought, don't come, go tell her she's loved. Nope, nope, not gonna do it. So at the end, we go back and go fill up my drink. We walk out, he's in front of me. He goes out the door first and as I get to the door, I can't leave. It's not because God shut the door and locked me. It's like, no, you're not leaving. <laughs> I just, I knew I had to go back. 
And I'm just standing there in the doorway, just standing there. My buddy turns around, he looks at me, he goes, dude, you have to go do something for Jesus right now, huh? He goes, I go, yeah, come with me. He goes, nope, see you later, and he walks off. <laughs> and I said, what? Hey, Jesus sent him out two by two. He's like, you didn't tell me to go, you better go. He's like, come on. He goes, no, he said, and he keeps walking. I said, you're dead to me, <laughs> until tomorrow. And he's just laughing, no joke, I'm standing at the door thinking maybe he's gonna come back, come back. He gets in his car, he drives, and he's like this. <laughs> so I turn around. <laughs> like I don't, so I'm like, okay, and I see her. So I start to walk, and then I had to get my drink again because it was already full, but I had to get more. And it's, it's like, you ever do this thing? You know you have to do something you don't want to do, so you count it off. Okay, on the count of three, I'm going to do it. One, two, three, four, <laughs> five. <laughs> okay, when I get to 75,000, then I'm going to do it. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it. So as I, as I walk up to the table, I notice she's now, she's with a friend. And I'm like, God, you didn't say there were two of them. So I, now I'm, I'm outnumbered. And so no joke, so there's a table next, I put my drink down. And, I, and this, this is exactly how I did it. I put my hands on their table. I didn't even say a word to them. I just went like this, and then I went whoop. And now I'm like mammoth man over the top of them. And I'm not looking at either one of them. I'm looking straight ahead because I don't want to do this. <laughs> That's just all I said. I know this doesn't make sense, but I feel like I'm supposed to tell you that you're loved. I got it out. You know what happened? Nothing. In my head, I pictured they, would, they were going to go, Oh my gosh, this morning I didn't believe in God and I prayed, God, would you send someone to tell me that I'm loved and if I do, I'll surrender my life to Christ and that she would do that and then angels would descend going, yeah. I pictured all of Rubio's breaking out in praise and worship. I just pictured this God moment and when I said it, hey, I feel like I'm supposed to tell you that you're loved, silence. And this is how I ended the conversation. Whoop, see you later. And I walked off. I just walked off. In the words of Dumb and Dumber, that's all I said. Whoop, see you later. And I just walked off. So I grab my drink and I go to my car. I start it up and the thought pops in my head. Just checking. I'm like, what? You're just, you're just checking? You just want to see if I'll do it? Like, there was, no, there was no miracle coming. It was just, just checking. <laughs> Guys, isn't it weird how often we won't obey God because we don't know that the outcome will be what we expect? Or we won't obey God because it's out of my comfort zone. Friends, think about it. The only time that you obey God is when it's comfortable to you. I guarantee that you're disobedient more than obedient. Because Jesus is not afraid of the things that you are. He's not intimidated by the people that you are. But friends, all of a sudden, when you start going for it, oh, it gets really fun. Have you guys heard of COVID? I'm just joking. Okay, when COVID started, and it was like we're all keeping away from each other. So I started these prayer walks. Because I said, I want to get out of the house. But guys, I'm not naturally bold when it comes to like just walking up to strangers. If you've noticed, I kind of walk past people. I'm kind of quiet. But I told you, I don't want to be a, I don't want to be a, hopefully a good pastor, but a really cruddy disciple. 
Like I'm a disciple first and I get to be a pastor, but that's not my identity. So I'm gonna be bold. I'm supposed to go make disciples just like everybody else. And so I started this thing where I'd start walking and if there's a person as I'm walking along, I would walk up and I'd, I'd keep distance. But this is how I would start. I said, hey, I know this is weird as we're walking. I know this is weird. I'm a follower of Jesus. Is there something I could pray for you about? I'm on a prayer walk. Every single person has given me the bird. No, I'm just joking. Nobody has. <laughs> Nobody's flipped me off. Nobody's gotten angry. Some people go, oh, oh, yeah, pray for world peace. I'm like, you don't mean it. But I remember this one time. I'm walking along. There's this small little black 75-year-old grandma just walking along. And I'm like, I'm going to catch her, which thankfully I could. <laughs> so I come walking up. Here's this big white cracker dude walking next to this grandma over here. And I said, I said hey, I'm on a prayer walk. Is there something I could pray for you about? And she goes, yeah, could you pray that my grandson would be healed? I said, well, could I walk with you and hear your story? She goes, well, of course. And she like waves me over. I'm like, well, this isn't six feet. Okay. And I walk right next to her. And here we are having this sweet conversation. For like 10 minutes, she's just opening up her heart. And as she opens up her heart, remember, this is not natural for me. But I, how many guys think about it? How often have you prayed, God, give me boldness. Give me boldness. And then you never take a step because you don't feel bold. What I've noticed is this. I pray for boldness, I take the step, and it gives you boldness. Until you take the step, don't expect boldness. So I'm just listening to your story. And at one point, I started to say, do you have a relationship with Jesus? And before I could get to it, she goes, and I just love Jesus. I'm like, you do? I was just going to ask you that. I said, are you part of a church? And she goes, I'm part of that church down the street. I knew, I knew exactly which one she was talking about. I'm part of, I love the Lord. I've been walking with the Lord forever. And you may sit there and go, Brian, she already knew the Lord. You didn't do anything. Yes, I did. I prayed for her and I prayed for her grandson, Anthony, that he would be healed. And I started the conversation, not knowing whether or not she knew the Lord. But she did. Guys, just start there and see where the Holy Spirit leads the conversation. Guys, he's your helper. God, give me boldness as I take the step. God, increase my faith. Help me know you more. Help me love you more. Reveal yourself more to me that I could know and love you better. Guys, we're supposed to be different because we claim that we are different. So aren't we supposed to show the world the difference that Jesus makes in the way that we respond, the way we react, the things we say? the things we do, not because that's what every good Christian does, but because we love Jesus. For those that say, I don't love Jesus, well, this part's not for you yet. But what I pray for those of you that say, I don't love Jesus, oh, when I'm getting out of here, I didn't make a, I didn't make a decision for Jesus this whole weekend. You lose. Guys, you weren't, I wasn't even battling you. And you actually think that the Holy Spirit's like stuck up here? It's like, oh my gosh, they withheld me at Hume? I could never get them. For those who say, I will never. Never is God's playground. Guys, he is, he's, he's like that, he's like that hound dog that won't stop. He will track you down and do whatever it takes and you may still continue to push, I don't want him, I don't want him, I don't want him. I do believe at some point, then God will say this, okay, then your will be done. But I think that's at the end. But until then, oh, he's going to come after you. 
And followers of Jesus, he's going to use us to share the gospel with people, to verbalize the gospel. I know there's a famous, I think it's St. Francis of Assisi has this statement, uh, preach the gospel at all times when necessary, use words. And I've heard a lot of people that, that are Christians, they say, that, that's what I do. I do. That's what I do. I let my life speak the gospel. Guys, and I believe that my life should really fit with the gospel. But at no point, because I walk up to a homeless person and I feed him lunch, does that person then go, because you did that nice thing to me, I now realize that I'm a sinner, that I'm in need of a savior, that I can't save myself. And I now understand that God came for me in the person of Jesus, who is the second person in the Trinity. And I now know, because you gave me a bologna sandwich, that I, he died on the cross, came back from the dead, took my place on the cross, and that I need to surrender to his lordship so that I can have a relationship with him and spend eternity in heaven. It's not gonna happen unless we do what? Speak it. Speak it. We speak the gospel and we live it out. It's both and. You sit there and go, ah, oh, that's a big order. So what if you do this? What if your prayer is this? Tomorrow morning you wake up, spend some time with Jesus in his word, spend some time praying, and before you go out, you say something like this, God, I'm going out into my mission field. Who's the one? What if you go for one? Guys, we live in a culture, everything has to be big, right? You know God's moved when it's big. And yet I brought it up, how often does God move through the big to get to the one? So just ask God, who's the one? And what if that person comes to know the Lord and you help that person become a disciple who then goes and finds the one while you're finding the one? And then that continues and then multiplication happens. Guys, when Jesus said, therefore, Go. Right before he said, therefore, he said, hey, all of heaven, like all power, all, all of heaven is given to me. No, I'm going to butcher it. Matthew 28. All authority in heaven has been given to me. In other words, he's saying, I have all the might, all the right. And guys, think about when it is that he said that. Jesus said that after he resurrected from the dead. And think about it. Jesus kept his scars after he resurrected from the dead. So there he is, all scars, all over his body. He pulls off Easter, and he's saying, hey, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, because I have all the might, all the right, go. And the word go means keep going. Don't stop. Therefore, go and make disciples, learners, followers, not just. They raised a hand. Guys, the only way I can make a disciple is to actually engage the life of the disciple in some way. Like when I get to preach, I love it, but this is such a small part. Do you know who you will remember for the rest of your life? Not me, not the messages. I guarantee that you can think of five people who have poured into your life in the last five years, but you cannot remember five titles of messages that have been preached. True? You will remember the people who bunked in, like they were in your cabin on those beds. <laughs> right? You will remember, guys, I remember people who have poured into me. This is such a small part. Youth workers, youth pastors, this is such a small part. I'm backing your play. You're going back and making disciples. But students, there is nothing stopping you from making disciples. God loves using the teenager. Think about it. 
David jacks up Goliath as about a 15-year-old kid. He shows up. I mean, that's kind of weird. Dad's like, go check on your brothers who are in war. And then take them some food. So he shows up. It's like a field trip, and they're having a battle. It's a, well, they're not having, it's, it's a war. They're getting ready for battle. Nine-foot giant guns walking out, making fun of God and the armies of God. And David, a 15-year-old, because every 15-year-old guy thinks this, I could take him. <laughs> right? Every 15-year-old's like, I got this. Nine feet, nothing. He's like, who's this guy? When he comes and taunts us, he says, hey, whoever takes them on one-on-one, whoever wins, that's, they, win the, they win the war. I got this. The Bible says that he's small and ready. He's just this small little guy. But ladies, he's a warrior who wrote poetry. Come on. <laughs> so here comes the 15-year-old guy. He goes, hey, the person who beats up this giant, what does he get? He goes, well, his family never pays taxes again. Money? And you get to marry one of the king's daughters, a girl. I get money and a girl? I can jack him up. I get money and a girl. I'm in. I'm in. That doesn't even matter. I'll go for that. He goes before Saul. Saul's like, oh, okay. Think about it. A grown man looking at a kid. Sure. <laughs> Gives him his armor. And David's like, I can't move in this. He's like, I don't need this. Guys, when you look at David, really what he's saying, he's going, I don't like anyone mocking my God. He says, I'll take him. Here, uh, here's, my, here's my resume. This one time a bear came and took one of the lambs I was, or one of the sheep I was watching. I chased it down and killed it. A bear. Wait, oh, a bear. It's like, oh, uh, chases it down and just beats the snot and kills it. For one sheep, I don't know about you, I might let it go. He says, another time a lion shows up. I'm like, I'm out. I'm done. See ya. Aslan showed up. I'm done. <laughs> he says, I took I killed it. This giant will be like one of nothing. He says, I don't need the armor. He says, I got my sling. I got my slingshot. <laughs> it's so rad. And don't picture like the ones we have now. It's like, bing. It's not like that. Bing. It's not those. Just picture a long strip, a little pouch. And then he'd take both ends and he just, guys, I read this. Someone who's so good at this, you can get that, you can get that rock flying like it's a bullet. And think about David, how bored is he watching sheep? He got probably really good. He's just like, I got, picks up five stones. I love reading commentaries. You know why he picked up five stones? Because there were five of them. I'm like, you don't know. It doesn't say that. He picked up five. Maybe he would miss. So he gets the one. The giant, nine-foot dude, mocking him. Boom! It sinks into his forehead, hits the ground. But before all that happens, David looks at him and goes, Today, I want you to understand this. Today, I'm going to kill you. And when I kill you, I'm going to chop off your head. I had never said that to one person when I was 15. <laughs> Again, for those that have rage... It's biblical. No, 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 no. Don't do that. So he's like, I'm going I'm to kill you. I'm going to chop off your head. Sinks it into his skull. Then goes and takes Goliath's sword and hacks his head off. Dang. That's a heck of a day. And then it says that he took his head. He took his head and his sword. The sword part I get, 
the head part's a little freaky. Can you imagine when he goes home? He walks in the door, mom's like, how was your day? It's all right. What'd you do? Nothing much. What's in the bag? I don't want to tell you. God chose a 15-year-old kid. And when God decided to invade the planet as Jesus, the Son of God come and incarnate, he picks the womb of a teenage girl. Teenager, the only thing holding you back from doing great things for Jesus is you. If anyone ever looks at you and says, oh, you're just too young, it's because they're too old. And they've forgotten how God loves to use the teenager. Guys, I beg you, I beg you, I beg you, be the revival generation that reminds us older ones what it's like to truly, faithfully, unapologetically follow Jesus with all passion and devotion. My prayer for you is that your faith would be so immense that I'd be convicted that my faith is so small. Friends, there's nothing holding you back. So when Jesus says, therefore, because I have all the might and all the right, therefore, go and make disciples and baptize those disciples in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach those disciples to obey all that I've commanded you. You're like, that is huge. And then Jesus goes, I know this is massive, but this is the best part. Oh, and by the way, I will be with you. Guys, the one who breathed out the sun, the one who breathed out all the hundreds of billions of stars in our galaxy and all the hundreds of billions of galaxies in our known universe, all of them having hundreds of billions of stars in each of them, he breathed them out. The one who knows all of those stars by name, the one who measures the universe with the span of his hand, the one who spoke light into existence by saying, let there be light. That God who came as a person, took the wrath of God, died, beat death in the face, came back from the dead. That God who holds all things together that God says, I will be with you to the very end of the age. Church, we are unstoppable unless we never move. And I'm convinced in the States, the Satan, Satan has just put so many church communities to sleep and to slumber. Why? Because the thing that terrifies the enemy is when the church wakes up and moves forward with Jesus. Friends, we can do this not because we're great, but because the Holy Spirit of God is great in us. And we have been commissioned and appointed and anointed to go and make disciples. Go ahead, friends, go back to your campuses and win the whole campus to Jesus. Make it a Christian school that the, that the state pays for. I mean, just go for it. Brian, but people might hate me for it. Who cares? But Jesus loves you for it. Because it all comes down to this, quest this question. Is Jesus worth it? Is Jesus worth it? This isn't a guilt thing. Students, you can do this. Non-students, we can do this. And not just when we're together on a Sunday morning, and not just when it's, a, it's an organized mission trip, and not just when it's an organized youth night, every day, all day, God, who's the one? Who's the one? Who's the one? God, who's the one? But never do it at the expense of your love for Jesus. Always start with this, the greatest commandment, love God with everything you got. 
The second, love people. And then take the great commission, go make disciples of all nations. Baptize them, teach them to obey, and hold on to the truth. God is with you to the very end of the age. Can I pray for you? Holy Spirit, would you anoint us? Would you make this real? Holy Spirit, would you stir our affections for you? Would you solidify our devotion to you? And would you give us a burden for people that don't know Jesus? God, forgive us for our complacency. God, wake us up. Revive us. God, let us see revival come, but starting in our hearts. God, you are worth it. Jesus, you're worth it. Thank you for the work you've done. But Jesus, I'm so excited for the work you will continue. God, do not let this be a mountaintop experience. Please. God, we love you. You're worth everything. God, in all that's happened, to you be all the praise, all the glory and all the honor. For you alone are worthy. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone who agrees says, amen. Love you all more than you know.